Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Monica Jean. I am a field crops extension educator for Michigan State University uh, based out of Clinton County. And I am here today with our awesome guest, Dean Boss. Hi, everybody. I'm Dean Boss. I'm sustainable ag educator for Michigan State University Extension. I work statewide and uh, I'm happy to be here and talking with Monica today. So if you're joining us, I just want to make sure you know, besides having this awesome topic of, can you help me with my cover crop? Uh, We also have another kind of sister podcast recording about the modern day cover crop. So if you listen to one, I hope you listen to the other. I think they'd go together quite well. So Dean, can you help me with my cover crop? Yeah, I I do get a lot of calls and really... A lot of times you joke that we probably ought to have a cover crops uh, anonymous type uh, phone line somewhere that we all answer to, to answer cover crop questions. But instead, you can call us directly. You don't have to call a line like that. And I do get, I do get farmers to call. Um, a lot of times the calls take different forms. It can be someone who might be trying cover crops for the first time and um, just need a little bit of confidence boost that the type of thing that they're looking to do um, is going to be okay. Um, Sometimes I get calls from farmers who are a lot more advanced and they've got a neat new idea that they've come up with and they want to give it a try and just saying, hey, what do you think of this? Do you see anything that could be a problem? Those are the ones where I learn a lot too. Um, It's amazing how many good ideas you can come up with uh, or that farmers come up with that uh, we can actually look at researching. I have to agree, Dean. I'm also on the cover crop team uh, with Dean here that I really enjoy the social aspect of having the cover crop discussion with our farmers. Um, So I'll have to concur with that. Those are great conversations to have. So you take these calls and you can give recommendations. And so what are they asking you? I'm kind of surprised because I do get a lot of calls where a farmer will say, I want to grow cover crops. And that's pretty much the, uh, the extent of the question. A lot of times that's motivated by a number of things. Um, that motivation sometimes comes from reading an article. They might have read something in one of the farm magazines all about cover crops and now they're interested but uh, don't know where to, you know, how to get started. Sometimes that uh, can come from a field day they've been at or maybe just looking at a, another farmer's field. My, my favorite one is the farmer who called and said, um, I want to start growing cover crops. And I said, okay, tell me more. And the farmer said, well, my son's coming back to the farm and um, I just think we ought to be doing something to improve our farm and the health of our soils or just to improve the farm in general. I had a farmer that that's the practice he allowed his kid to really own. He was willing to, you know, let his um, son coming back to the farm own the cover crop piece and innovate. So he, you know, he didn't give over the whole control of the farm, but by giving him a piece to kind of make his own, he really felt like that his kid got invested in the farm again. And that was just a great way to kind of work on the farm together. 
I had nice. I had a similar situation yeah. too, where it was an apple farmer in Mid Michigan, and basically he called me up, but when I went to the farm, he let his son take the lead, and we went and walked around the farm and, and talked about cover crops. So, you know, the motivation for cover, <coughs> excuse me, for cover crops can uh, come from a, a bunch of different areas, and. Um, more and more, I think uh, people are recognizing that it's it's uh, really a part of stewardship of our land. You know, if we're going to pass our land on to the next generation. We want to pass it on uh, in the best condition as possible, and cover crops are part of that. So, how how does the discussion usually go? Do you have a checklist you wish you had? <laughs> <laughs> Set well, forms, or I don't have an actual written down checklist, but um, they're fairly similar. They're, you know, I, I can't pick a cover crop out of thin air without knowing a lot more information. And typically the discussion goes learning about the system. And that's, that's really critical. And I think what a, what a lot of listeners need to know is that your system is somewhat unique. Yeah, you might be a corn-soybean farmer in a given area, but you don't grow corn and soybeans the way everybody else in the area. You're, you're growing the same commodity, but you're all doing it in your own, own way. So, um, and that's the information we need, that I need to have to start talking about uh, what type of cover crop might fit. So, you know, first of all, just basic things. I need to know where you're from and what type of soil you have. I need to know the cropping system because the cropping system dictates windows you have where you can plant and grow a cover crop and where you're going to have the uh, cash crop growing. And then tillage is a, is a big thing. If you happen to be um, a fall tiller, well then you're not going to plant a cover crop right after wheat harvest or soon after wheat harvest just to have it tilled under in the fall. Um, you need to need to think about do you plant the cover crop after that tillage operation um, are you uh, a spring tiller um, is there an issue with you know potentially getting the cover crop terminated so you can get to spring tillage so kind of need just need to know your system what what uh, how do you operate in general how, uh, how how does your cropping season normally go and then uh, really probably the biggest one is you know, I, I love you to death if you want to grow a cover crop because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> but uh, you really need a little more um, to help uh, guide you than, than that. You know, what, what are your goals? Um, where you're looking at using cover crops, um, how can you help that field? Uh, is there a problem? Do you have an issue? Is it a, is it a compaction problem? Do you have an erosion problem? Are you looking for a cover crop that might be a weed fighter so that you can cut back on your herbicide use? Uh, what about cover crops as a nitrogen source? You need to have some basic goal for um, what you're trying to accomplish with the cover crop. So it sounds like you want an idea of the whole farm, but to narrow it into some fields that you would like to try it out on and the reasons why would help the most to design that cover crop system for that farmer to start with. Absolutely. We, you know, we fairly quickly have to take it down to the field level um, because there's not going to be something that you can do all around the farm on all the fields. The other thing to realize is that just because you want one benefit doesn't mean that's all you're going to 
get with a given cover crop. They will bring along secondary benefits, tertiary benefits on down the line. They may be the best cover crop for the, the number one goal that you have, but they can also help you with something else that might not be as big an issue. So you want to think a little bigger than um, I only need a cover crop to do this. So always good to call us, but I, I do think too that cover crop selector tool is pretty a pretty fun tool, easy to use. That's on the Midwest Cover Crop Council's website that you can use drop down boxes for your top three management goals you have and start to get an idea of cover crops that may fit with that. Now, it'd be, still be good to weed, weed through that and then loop back with someone like us you know, to go over your system, but it is a nice tool to play around with and look at your options. Yeah, absolutely. I recommend that tool. It um, allows you to select the county that you live in. So it gives you um, seeding date information that's specific to the county that, that you're living in. That was the Midwest Cover Crop Council's selector tool we were referring to. That is on the website mccc.msu.edu. That's M with three C's. And uh, if you go to that website, you'll see uh, Selector Tool as, a, as an option. So give it, give it a try. So we've discussed um, the overall of the farm, you know, what you need, and then down to the, the field itself. Um, is there anything else that you would like to know off the bat to be, to be the best you can be for these mm-hmm. farmers? Well, really, you know, with that information about the system, the farm, the location, then we can start looking at, um, you know, what are potential recommendations for a cover crop or maybe multiple cover crops. And um, so, you know, one thing I would like the listeners to consider is that in many cases where we are planting cover crops, that is not the time of year that they would typically be grown if they were being grown as a cash crop. In the case of the winter cereals, it's very similar. So if you're planting rye or winter wheat as a cover crop, you'll plant it at similar type of time that you would if you were growing it as a cash crop and let it come up in the fall and then you terminate it in the spring. And so those crops fit really nicely because the cover crop uh, window for them is uh, at the time that they would normally be grown. There's other cover crops that we grow, things like radishes, a lot of times oats, where we're planting them when they would not be planted typically as a cash crop. So that affects their life cycle. I like to tell people you have to kind of think like the plant when you're planting them in these off cycles. Winter cereals, if you plant them in the spring, you're not gonna get much because they need to vernalize before they can reproduce so they know they have to wait for that so they're going to kind of hold back Um, a lot of the the uh, clovers tend to be a little slow on getting started so and but then you have things like buckwheat that they like to jump out of the ground and get going right away so and then become a weed (laughs) and then potentially (laughs) if it's not managed right so You know, um, you have to do some research into, a little bit of research into the the cover crops that you're looking at using to make sure that they really fit that window um, that you're talking about. So if a farmer says, you know, well, I want to grow cover crop after corn, soybean harvest, 
you know, we're pretty limited. The only things that really work well are uh, the winter cereals. And after wheat, you've got a lot more options. You can plant oats, you can plant radishes, you can plant some summer annuals. You've got a lot more flexibility there. And I'd recommend that you listen to the other podcast to get a little bit more information on that so we don't spend too much time on that here. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really going through the process of saying, okay, here's where I am, here's the window that I have open for growing a cover crop what cover crops will grow in that window that's something you can get from the selector tool and i go to it all the time because i can't remember all these off the top of my head for every county and once you have that list of what can grow in that period then you can refine the list based on the goals that we talked about and what what will best accomplish what you'd like to accomplish with that field now we've talked about a lot of single species, um, but I think I see I, I see some of my farms investing heavily in mixtures, sometimes like twelve. <laughs> um, and I, I know that there's been Lisa Teeman has had some research talking about how maybe just picking from the function groups to you know one from each or. Um, that that might get you the benefit you want. So can we talk a little bit about the decision-making process of, that you would use um, or that we want a farmer to think about for mixtures? Absolutely. So you read a lot about mixtures. There's a lot of the cover crop seed dealers out there that have ready-made mixes, you know, anywhere from probably six on up to 12, 14 different species in a mix. And... Um, it's something that is highly marketed um, for having a lot of different advantages. The number one thing that you get with a mix is it gives you more diversity. You know, you're already limited in your cropping systems on the amount of diversity that you bring to the system. So when you use a cover crop mix, um, you can bring a lot more diversity. You can mix legumes, you can with brassicas, with grasses, and uh, you can also uh, have different um, groups that, that thrive under different conditions and at different times. From what we've learned from some of Lisa's work, from a benefit standpoint, having multiple species within a functional group, so say having, you know, two or three grasses and two or three brassicas and uh, two or three legumes, um, you're probably just as well off having one in each of the, you want the different functional groups for the diversity. However, when you go to a larger mix, you now can bring into the equation that you have more variety in what species will thrive under different, under different conditions. So from what we've typically seen, if you've got say an eight species mix, you'll probably have three or four of them that will do really well and the other ones will get crowded out because they will get out competed. With a 12-way mix you might have five or six of them and in the following year under different conditions it will be a different you may have the similar number of species that will uh, will thrive and do well but it'll be a different mix of them. It's like an insurance package of cover it's crops. really what you're buying is insurance for your <laughs> cover crop you will get a good stand 
Although you'll have to wait and see what you get a good stand of Although based on the type of conditions And then that managing those mixes may get a little <laughs> bit more complicated. So I'd say mixtures are not for the faint of heart. They're not for our beginners. No, they're, they're not for beginners, although I think uh, like a two- or a three-way mix is pretty manageable for a beginner. And in some cases, um, what you benefit with that is you may have something that creates a lot of nitrogen and dies, and then you have another cover crop that will take up that nitrogen and hold it, hold onto it for you. So mm-hmm. there are some potential benefits um, from a... Um, maintaining the nutrients in the system that might come from having a mix but in general i tell you know the beginning cover croppers that uh, you know get it worked out with single species first because you know what you're dealing with you know how they're going to react and then you can go to a mix from there because uh, now you know how the single species react you can then figure out how they'll react in combination with each other well, you've heard it straight from the mouth of the cover crop guru about how to um, sit down and do your cover crop um, plan, management plan. Um, so thank you, Dean, for joining us today. Uh, again, if you have uh, interest in contacting Dean or looking up more information about our cover crop team, where would you get that from? You can get that from covercrops.msu.edu and there's a list of the uh, all the cover crop team members and their phone numbers give us a call we're here to help you will see dean there but you'll also see me and uh, we all enjoy taking it calls from farmers and our agribusiness alike and trying to figure out these systems um, it's and part you, of our job. And if you have something that you've done without talking to us that's worked really well, we'd like to hear about oh, that as yes. well. Give us a call and say, hey, I just tried such and such, and it's awesome. Text, yes. text me a picture. Um, give me a call. I may come and visit your farm just to see what you've done. So a ditto. Keep us in the loop. That sounds great. Thanks again. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.